So good to be here. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I, I preached in a 9 a.m. service and I'm, I'm doing exactly the same message. I don't normally do back-to-back sermons. It's a little bit awkward, but uh, am I online this time? So I'm supposed to look at the camera, yeah. And uh, welcome to my brother, New, who's down in, uh, in Christchurch. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so, so if you weren't here for the, for the 9 a.m., you're right. But if you were here for the 9 a.m., like these two in the front and Ben sitting down here, uh, your only role today is that when I start speaking, you go, <laughs> like you never heard it before. Hey. Uh, but anyway, before I start, I'd just like to acknowledge your beautiful pastors, Pastor Anson Poro. Uh, thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Uh, I met the brother from another mother last year. And you know that David-Jonathan relationship? I feel like that's the same with us. We've, we just knitted together straight away. Um, he looks a little bit older because he's bored. Uh, but, um, but it's so good... Uh, to be here this morning. I also want to acknowledge my family that are here. The biggest surprise of my life, my brother's here. Uh, so he uh, lives in Auckland. Um, he's actually my second mother. Uh, so uh, I buy my own clothes today, but from the ages of uh, birth until about 25, he, him and his wife bought all my clothes. They dressed me up. They did everything for me. So it's a real honor to have him here this morning as well as my beautiful wife. Can I, can I just get two crunchies, please, Apple? You know, I'll take it after, but I'll just use one. So uh, the first one is, is, is for my wife. We, we had our 27th wedding anniversary last week, so I'll give that to you later. Uh, and then this one here, it's my birthday next week. So, um, yeah, I'll be two years old. Uh, but anyway, it's so good to be here. I also want to acknowledge uh, my beautiful children that are here. Uh, Nerissa Mercy, she's our eldest. She's going on 20. Uh, and then it's my son, Shamar. Uh, who was in Auckland yesterday, uh, my daughter Juanita, and then my other kids, I can see my other kids, uh, Christian Faletau, who's uh, my Tongan son, and my nephew and uh, nieces uh, in the back. Oh, my sister-in-law's at the back too. So, so good to be here. Also, I want to acknowledge my workmates from Hamilton Christian School. So, my brother Jeff, an IT guy, he's here today, uh, my boss Joy, uh, and Matt, Matt somewhere. Okay, but um, anyway, my name's Lenny. I'm married to one wife. She's here this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been, we've been here for three years. We, God called us to Samoa to pioneer a program called One Touch. And uh, we'll be going back next week to celebrate our 10-year anniversary uh, since we pioneered the program in 2014. I'm passionate about health, about leadership, more importantly about God, and second, my wife. So um, it's, it's a real honor to be here to minister the word to you this morning. So let's get straight into it. Fasten your seatbelts. Make sure you got your learner's license with you. And we're going to go straight into the word. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. And then we're going to go to Romans 8 verse 28. Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 and then Romans 8 28. Exodus 4. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Everyone say eloquent. eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Romans 8, 28, a familiar passage of Scripture to most of us, I'm sure. It says, and we know that all things, everyone say all things. So it's not some, it's not most, 
It's all. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. This morning, I want to talk about preparation. One of the quotes that I wrote last year was, and it's something that I talk a lot about to my students at school, even my children. And I say this, it's a lot easier to prepare than it is to repair. So I want to talk about preparation for 2024. What does your 2024 look like? And I want to talk this morning about preparing your destiny. Everyone say destiny. destiny. About seven years ago, an opportunity in Samoa to train a prominent telecommunications company in leadership had come to me. And I'll never forget my initial reaction, Pastor Ants. I was so excited. In fact, I was gobsmacked. I was dumbfounded. I was shocked. I was stunned. But most of all, I was totally unprepared. Now, don't get me wrong. The unprepared part was not that I thought that I wasn't the right person for the job. No, it's the opportunity that I'd been praying for. It's the opportunity that I'd been believing for. It is the opportunity that I've been fasting for and the opportunity that I was waiting for. The unprepared part that caused a little bit of embarrassment was that when I got the invitation, I was not certified as a leadership trainer. How many of you know that when God gives you an assignment, regardless of your background, your ethnicity, your culture, your abilities or your weaknesses, God is still sovereign. He's still majestic. He is still ever present or wise and all knowing which means even in your situation of awkwardness that can lead to embarrassment because on the outside, you may not look like you have the goods. You may not feel like you measure up to the previous leadership guru, but how many of you know that God is still omnipotent, the God that is omniscient and the God that's omnipresent can still qualify the unqualified. And that if God wasn't in the picture of my destiny, the last place that Lenny Solomon qualifies to be standing on right now is this very platform. And by the way, I'm the very first speaker on this brand new flat. Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Ann. Because I want to tell you something. I was every teacher's nightmare when I entered into college in the other millennium. You see, when I went to college, the only subject that I wanted to go to was rugby. But it wasn't even a subject. You see, I was okay in English. I was a flop in science. I was terrible in maths. I was pathetic in physics, but boy, I was good at rugby. And back in my day, now, now, now some of you might not relate to this. You will. My brother will. But back in our day, we didn't refer to them as years. It wasn't year 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Back in my day, it was form. Third form, fourth form, fifth form, sixth form, seventh form. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the sixth and the seventh yet I spent five years at college. <laughs> so when I was in the fifth form, I'm preparing for school certificate. The problem is I'm the most unprepared student. So much so that when I get my results back from the five subjects, all my marks total 48. Not out of 100 times five subjects, <laughs> out of 500. Now you need to understand something about my culture. I'm a Samoan. So in my culture, the word failure, fail, is not in our parents' vocabulary. So you either pass or you duck to avoid the hand. I had to duck quite a few times. So here's the first miracle when I got my results. My parents were in Samoa. 
So when my results came out, they weren't there for me to open them. So I avoided punishment on that first year. So then on the second year, I have to sit my fifth form year again, a second time. And guess what? I failed again. But here's the second miracle. My parents are no longer in Samoa. They're actually at home. But two days before the results come out, my auntie in Auckland rings them and says, can I have my boy come up to Auckland? So I go to Auckland at the time that my results come out again. So for a second straight year, I avoid the potential death penalty. (laughs) So now my fifth and final year, the principal has to decide, do I go up to the sixth form or do I remain in the fifth form for a third consecutive year, which incidentally would put me in the Guinness Book of Records as the oldest fifth form student at Rangatai College. So instead, he calls my parents in and he says to my parents, we're going to put your son in a special class, not the special that my parents were thinking of. (laughs) And he says, your son is going to sit in the class where he sits two fifth form subjects and two sixth form subjects. So miracle number three, my parents are not angry yet. They're confused. Exactly where I wanted them to be, confused. So now my mother, I go home and my mother looks at me and she says, son, I'm confused. The principal say you're in a special class. Are you brainy? I said, no. She said, so what are you? Are you in the fifth form or the sixth form? I'm confused, son. What are you in? And I grabbed my mother's hands, looked her in the eyes with real tears coming down my face, which would have won me an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Dramatic Scene. And I look at my mom and I said, mom, I'm not in the fifth form and I'm not in the sixth form. And my mom goes, well, what form are you in? I said, I'm just out of form. So when I left college, I left without any qualifications. And I would spend the next few years wandering in the wilderness, not knowing what I was supposed to do. I get kicked out of home. It was my mistake. And I get rescued by my brother and my beautiful sister-in-law. And they take me and they take me to Auckland. And I'm still in the wilderness. I'm diving into all sorts of things, alcohol, unfruitful relationships. I'm completely lost Then in 1993, I made a bold decision to go to Samoa and it was the best decision I ever made because within days of arriving in Samoa, someone reached out to me and I surrendered my life to Jesus. Then I joined the church and then within months, there was a visiting church from New Zealand that came over and they ran a conference in our church and on the last day, the pastor gets up and he begins to preach and he sees this good looking guy at the back. The key word here is good looking. He sees this handsome young man at the back and he calls him to the front and it's me. And I come to the front and he begins to prophesy over my life. He begins to say things that completely turn my life upside down. So you see, you need to understand that when you've spent most of your life doing your life your way, according to a song that Doris Day wrote back in the 60s called Que Sera, Sera, whatever will be, will be. And then have a person that you've never met in your entire life speak over you and prophesy words of conviction and truth and faith and destiny. And then tells you that God has anointed you for such a time as this and you're going to speak to the nations when your background and disqualifications would suggest otherwise, that is embarrassing. It doesn't match up. Yet often the things that embarrass you about yourself are the things that God wants to use to empower you to make a difference in your world. So here's a message that I have for us for today, for 2024. It is time to stand out. Everyone say stand out. 
It is time to stand out from the rest of the crowd and start walking in your destiny. You know why? Because your destiny is determined by the things that will make you stand out and make your life count. But the flip side of this destiny is that so many of us are trying to run from the very things that God wants to use to propel us into our new season. Just look at Jonah. Jonah ran. He was a good runner. If Jonah was here in this day, he would have got a gold medal for the 5,000 metres. The problem with Jonah is that he didn't run to, he ran from. We know the story. God tells Jonah to go to where? Nineveh. He doesn't go to Nineveh. He goes to another place called Tarshish. But here's the interesting thing. Watch this. The place that God tells Jonah to go to is only 500 miles by land. The place that Jonah goes to in order to run away where God told him to go to in the first place is 2,500 miles in that direction. In other words, Jonah would rather be 2,500 miles out of his destiny than 500 miles in it. That's dumb. Have you seen that movie Dumb and Dumber? That's dumb. How many of you like me experienced that one moment in time when you knew God wanted you to do something and you wanted to do it, then you didn't do it. And then you tried every way possible to try and do it again, only not to do it. And then you finally realised that you would have saved a lot of time and a lot of headaches if you just did it. And so when I finally came to the realisation that God's plan and purpose for my life is to walk in His destiny and not in my ways, the first thing that God said to me, number one, was this, Lenny, your destiny requires separation. Everyone say separation. He said, Lenny, your destiny requires separation. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. Moses comes to the realization that he's not who he really is. He's different, he doesn't fit in. And Israel was always meant to be different from all the other nations. God never intended Israel to fit in. And it's the problem with the world that we live in today. You see, we all want to be somebody. We all want to go somewhere, but we don't want to wake up and pay attention to the truth. And God called Israel His prized possession. They were His special people. And He wanted them to be different from all the rest of the other countries, all the other nations. So you know what? It really broke God's heart when His prized people only pretended to be what God wanted them to be. You see, Moses didn't live a normal life. He was different. He was different from the rest. He had to spend 40 years in Midian, in the desert, separated from his people in order to go back to his people and then lead them to a place that they no longer believed that they would fit into. And sometimes what we thought was our destiny, only to realise later on that it's not our destiny, we then realise why separation is so important to our preparation. And so there's going to be a time when God is going to have to pull you away from that person. God is going to have to pull you away from that group. God is going to have to pull you away from what you thought was your destiny, but instead it was your comfort zone in order to place you in a position of purpose. Sometimes God has to pull you apart to set you apart for purpose, your purpose. You can clap louder than that. Not for me, for God. 
So when the pastor began prophesying over my life, I knew that my preparation would be determined by my separation. That there are those that I grew up in Wellington that categorised me all my life because of where I came from and who I grew up with. It's called the spirit of familiarity. So when I faced, when I went back to my place of birth, I went back to where my upbringing was, where my surroundings were, where my relationships were built, where all the crimes I committed, all the, all, all the things that were established in my life is called conformed to a certain pattern. And my biggest challenge was separation. Separation from familiarization. But now he's going back. He's going back. And now I've got to go back and I've got to show the people that I grew up with, that categorised me all my life, that this is not the same Lenny that's coming back. That this is not the Lenny that's coming back that didn't know his destiny but knows his destiny now. That the Lenny that's coming back is not the Lenny that's failed his school certificate three years in a row, but he's now a graduate of the Elam Bible College. That this is the Lenny that's no longer conformed to his upbringing, but he's been transformed by the renewal of his mind. And Moses experienced his first separation at the ripe old age of three months. We know the story well. He was born in Egypt to Hebrew parents who set him afloat in the Nile on a boat to save him. So now he's an Israelite by birth, but he's raised up in an Egyptian culture. And this creates the separation. He knows what it means to be living in one place, but he also knows what it, likes, what it feels like living in another place. And this confuses Moses about his destiny. So in the end, he runs. For 40 years, he's tending sheep in Midian. He's experiencing a separation for his preparation. And in order for you to see your destiny, God has to separate you from those who have categorised you, which means there's going to be a season when God is going to strategically pull you away out of the old and place you in the new so He can develop you into the very person that He created you to be. God took a very confused, a very lost young boy named Lenny Solomona. He took him out of Wellington, sent him to Auckland to spend time with his brother and sister and then took him to Samoa to find Jesus, brought him back to Auckland to stay with his brother and sister, to go to Bible college and learn more about his life and bring him all the way back to Wellington where he was born to try and lead the very people that he grew up with to a place that they no longer felt that they would fit into. So Moses is in Midian for 40 years when he finds himself in a place called the burning bush. And that's when God speaks to him. And when God speaks to you, the second point is this, your separation will reveal your purpose. In Exodus chapter three, verse five, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Moses is about to have his destiny revealed to him. God tells him to take off his shoes. He says, Moses, take off your shoes. In other words, I want you to separate yourself from who you are so you can see who I am because the place that you are standing on is holy ground. Wow. 
But Moses doesn't feel right. Feels inadequate. He says, Moses, I've chosen you and I've set you apart. I've given you a destiny. I've given you a purpose. And that's when Moses comes in, not with reasons, but he comes in with excuses. Why? Because he doesn't feel like he has the part. He feels inadequate. You see, when the, when the pastor prophesied over my life in 1993, I felt so inadequate. And I came up with every excuse to not do the things that would make me become the person that God called me because I didn't think I had the part. I didn't feel qualified. So I had every reason to feel inadequate because of my upbringing and my surroundings and my disqualifications and my CV. They didn't match the words that came out of the pastor's mouth when he was prophesying over my life. So you know, Pastor Ants, I know what it feels like to feel inadequate. Because when I was in primary school, I developed a speech impediment. I'd mumble all the time. My friends couldn't understand what I was saying, so I thought maybe it's a volume issue. So I go louder, but I just mumbled even louder. And people would always think, what's wrong with this guy? So I know what Moses was going through when he felt inadequate because Moses had a stutter. Moses had a stutter, he couldn't speak. So when God told him that he's gonna use him, this is Lenny's version, by the way. When God said to him, Moses, I've called you, I've given you a destiny. I'm gonna use you as my mouthpiece to go to Egypt and get them out and take them to the promised land. When Moses heard those words from God, his excuse was, but what? But I can't speak. I have a stutter. And God said to Moses, listen, I've chosen you and I separated you so that I could prepare you for this time. He said, I've given you a destiny. So here's what I want you to know, Moses. Your distinctiveness is not your inability or your ability to speak based on your stuttering. Your distinctive feature are the words that I'm gonna put in your mouth. So I need you to separate yourself from your view of yourself, from my view of you. I need you to separate yourself from your excuses so you can embrace my purpose. What was God doing? He's creating a separation between what Moses was not and who God is. And this is why it's so important who you have in your circle of friends. Because there are those people that you're gonna need to spend time with because they will lead you to your promised land. They will lead you to your destiny. But there are some people that you need to separate yourselves from because what you believe, if you believe in what they believe in and what they believe in is not of God, it will destroy you. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, that if you spend time with the wise, you become wise. You spend more time with this guy. But if you spend time with fools, you suffer harm. Now the Bible refers to the word fools as a, as a person that doesn't believe in God. I have a lot of friends that don't believe in God. Does it mean I don't spend time with them? Yes, I still spend time with them. But when I go to Wellington and they ring me up and go, hey bro, should we go to a club? No, oh, should we go to a cafe? Yeah. Why? Because I'm gonna use the cafe to share my testimony. I still love my friends that don't know God. I have not, I've never cut them off my life. But if I believe in what they believe in, it's the foolishness that will destroy me. And so there's gonna, be, there's gonna be a season where you need to separate yourself from certain people in your life 
in order for you to see what God wants you to see in your destiny. You see, the separation is preparation for your purpose. So here's what I want to say to all the young people. Any young people in this room? Yes, you're all young. If you're younger than me, you're young. I'll be 57 next week. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I know what you're saying. No, I won't even go there. <laughs> That's what I want to say to all the young people. God is looking for a generation of separation. God is looking for a generation of young people who will separate themselves from what the world calls pleasure, but what the Bible calls sin, so that they can step into their destiny and stand out from the rest of the crowd. You see, your school is your source. But in that source are so many things that people, young people do that are insignificant. Believe it or not, young people, they're smoking in school today. They're drinking in school today. They might be even having sex in school. Sorry, sex is not a dirty word. But that's the source. That's the things that are happening. So what we want our young people to do is to become the light and become the salt inside their school. So the question is, well, how do I stand out from the crowd when I'm at school? You know, the Bible says in Psalms 90 verse 10, it says that the days of our lives, not the program days of our lives, but it says that the days of our lives are numbered to 70. If by reason of strength, in other words, if you eat your broccoli, if you exercise, mercy, Nita, Ma, if you, just, if you obey me and mom, if you do all those things, the Bible says you can extend it to another 10 years. So the Bible says that if we look after ourselves, the standard age that we can live to is 70. So now I want to say this to the teenagers. What is a teenager? A teenager is any person that has teen in front of their number. What's that? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. How many is that? That's seven. Seven years that you spend as a teenager. How many years is the standard age to live? It's 70. What's seven out of 70? 10. So 10% of your life, you will live as a teenager. What do we know about 10% in the Bible? It is your tithe. It's what you give to God. Now here's something about teenagers. Most teenagers, they won't tithe. They can't tithe. Why? Because they don't have an income. But here's the second thing. Teenagers are the tithe. And as a teenager, if you tithe your seven years to God, and you walk in your destiny at school and you stand out from the rest of the crowd and just not connect with flowing with the, with the crowd and you stand out from the crowd, I guarantee you, you've prepared your destiny. And when you understand that it's not your natural ability that will determine your purpose, but it is your separation, number three, as I call up the worship team, number three, God's vision for you will simplify your life. God's vision for ants will simplify his life. God's vision for Tony will simplify his life. God's vision for you, Ben, will simplify your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, everyone say vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Everyone say perish. Remember those two words, vision and perish. He says, without a vision, 
the people perish, but he who keeps the law, happy is he. Moses, his life was complicated right at the start because of his original upbringing. And you know what it did? It confused him. You see, there's nothing worse than trying to do something that you weren't tailor-made to do. You will be ineffective and it'll stress you out. And even though Moses was popular during his upbringing, he was not effective until he discovered who he really was. Until he discovered God's ultimate vision for his life. You see, when he finally knew who he was, his life became very tight, very narrow. And when you capture God's vision for your life, trust me, it will simplify your life. You know what vision does? It gives you your permanent address. It shows you your destiny and then your destiny will begin to dictate all of your choices. The vision that God gave Moses was to go and get the people out of Egypt and lead them to the promised land. That's, he, that's what He was tailor-made for. It was His purpose and His destiny. He finally knew where He was going. And once you know where you're going, you will automatically take the roads that will get you there. So if you know where you're going, you will automatically know the roads not to take. You know why? Because vision gives you, gives you your what to do in life. And if we're gonna be a people who will stand out from the rest of the crowd, seek and save that which is lost, make disciples and become a difference maker in our world, it's time to prepare your destiny in 2024. It's time to prepare yourself in 2024. Oh, but Lenny, what am I supposed to do? Ask God. But let me tell you something. One thing that I do know is that you were not made to do everything. We've complicated our lives because we think we have a lot of things to do in life, but it's not true. We don't have a lot of things to do in life. This is what happens. God gives you a vision. And then when He gives you the vision, when you stick to it, you live a very narrow life. You know why? Because inside here are only the things that God wants you to do. That's why David said, this one thing that I do, inside here. Now I'm gonna let you in on a secret. So don't tell anyone else. I'm not very good at a lot of things. I'm not a jack of all trades. But the thing that God has given me, I've mastered it. My life is very simple. You might even think it's boring. You know why? Because I only do what God has called me to do. And inside this very narrow part here are just two things, Pastor Ants. I'm a pastor and a life coach, full stop, nothing else. So if you want me to lead the worship next Sunday, ain't gonna happen. If you want me to, to join the dance ministry team, it's not gonna happen. 
If you want me to do the sound at the back, you won't hear the speaker in the front. Just do the one thing that God has called you to do and keep it very narrow. You know why we complicate our lives? Because we make it big. And we put, in, we put inside all the things that God never called us to do. We do the things that we're average at. We do the things that we weren't even good at. We do the things that we like, but God never called us to do it. And so you know what it does? It frustrates you. And you know what happens? You become ineffective. You know what it does? It stresses you out. So just keep it simple. And you know what it means when it says perish? The word perish means to remove self-control. That means if you remove the self-control or discipline from your vision, your vision is gone. It perishes. I love being a personal trainer. I just hate the training. I hate the feeling. But I want to tell you something. I don't train because I feel like training. I train because my vision dictates my choices. My vision says, Lenny, you're going to transform people's lives, spirit, soul, and body, but it starts with you. I can't give what I don't have. So I get up, even when I don't want to go to the gym, I get up and I go to the gym. Not because I feel like it, but because if I don't do what my vision says, I remove self-control, my vision perishes. It may not feel good what you need to do, but if God has called you to do it, you need to do it because it's God's vision for your life. So the challenge for you this year is, what are you going to do in 2024? Or are you going to do something? No one can give you happiness but you. You've got to own your own happiness. But you get joy from the Lord. My challenge to you for 2024 is, you're going to talk about it or you're going to do something about it? We don't get credit for the things that we say that we're going to do. We get credit for the things that we've done. So if you don't do it, it's not done. I'm tired of being, of would have been, could have been, should have been. I've known all about potential all my life. I'm supposed to be an all black. Now the, the only thing that come closer to that is the colour of my skin. had an opportunity to go to the New Zealand Rugby Academy in 1986 as a 19-year-old. I thought, man, this is the start. They were going to pick two teams to trial for the New Zealand Colts. And I got selected for this academy. You know what I did? I went out and got drunk on Friday night. The academy started on Saturday 9am. I got home at 7am. And I woke up at 7 p.m. the next day. I went back to my club. And the president said, you're a waste of talent. You're a waste of potential. He says, Lenny, you're the could have been, should have been, would have been, but never will. I may never, ever, well, I can't. I will never, ever become an all black. But I plan to become the best Lenny that I can ever become in the thing that God has given me inside these fingers and that is pastor and life coach. Why don't we stand to our feet? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know. It could be something in your marriage. It could be be something in your work. It could be something in your health. 
We serve a miracle working God. You're looking at someone who tried to end his life at the age of 22. And if I'd succeeded on that night, I wouldn't be the first person to stand on this new platform this morning. I'm tired of running from, it's time to run to. 500 miles on land is a lot closer than 2,500 miles away from your destiny. Why don't you make it your plan, God's plan, to live out your destiny in 2024? Stop mucking around. Time is short. We are living in the last days. He could be back tomorrow. Live every day like it's your last day. Love your loved ones. Don't harbour unforgiveness. Make things right. I have to say sorry to my wife 20,000 times. 19,998 are normally my fault. But I still have to say it. Because there's no other woman. So I've got to make the most of the opportunities that God has given me with her. I'm going to ask you, if, you, if you're standing here this morning, if you want to walk in your destiny for 2024, it starts by handing your life to Jesus. 30 years ago, I responded to the greatest invitation in Samoa. I've been to a lot of weddings. I've been to a lot of birthdays. But this one supersedes all of them. Pastor stood in front and I was boarding my eyes out in the back. I knew that my life was turned upside down. Hurt so many people. Hurt my brother. Hurt all of his friends that I was associated with. And then everything changed on the 8th of May, 1993, when I said yes to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and to bow your heads, just to respect those who are privacy. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, if, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not even asking you to join my church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm talking about a relationship. You know why I'm so in love with my wife? Because we spend time with each other every single day. And you know what? There's someone that loves you unconditionally and his name is Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you know in your heart of hearts that today is the day for you to hand over your life to Jesus, then on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to slip your hand and then you can put it down. God is here. The Holy Spirit is moving in this place. And God is healing the hearts of every person that's here. So if that's you on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to slip your hand. If you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to raise your hands in three, two, one. Do it now. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anyone else? Beautiful. Anyone else? For those of you who raised your hands, and it was such a brave thing to do, and if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to still surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask the whole church to say this prayer. So with your eyes closed and your head bowed, for those who raise their hands and those who want to say this prayer from their heart, you're not saying it for Lenny. You're not saying it for Pastor Ansel Pottle. You're not saying it for Ben. You're not saying it for, for Matt, or for Michelle. You're not saying it for, you're saying it because that's what you want. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say it from your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today because I need you in my life. 
I am lost without you. I thank you that when you died on the cross and you rose from the grave, you did it for me. Release me from my past and into my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. Father, we submit to you. Every person that has raised their hand this morning, we thank you that right now that there is a party going on in heaven to celebrate their salvation, just as many of us did years ago. And so, Father, we commit to you 2024. I pray especially for Pastor Anson Porto. I pray for their team and the vision that you have given them. I pray, Father God, that this vision will go forth. It will produce fruit. Lives will be saved. People will be discipled. And people will begin to live in their destiny and stand out from the rest of the crowd. We give you all the honour and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.